If you have your Bibles, I would invite you to turn to Luke chapter 20. Luke chapter 20. In just a moment, I'm going to be reading from verse 45 through the first few verses of chapter 21. Uh, Today, we are finishing a rather long series called Mic Drop. And if you've been a part of any of those messages over the last two and a half months, you know that the main idea was looking through the Gospel of Luke, looking through the life of Jesus, and taking note when he said something or did something that caught everyone off guard, that really made them stop and pay attention, to stop and think and to take note. Uh, We've seen him do miracles. We've seen him say things that were pretty contrary to what everyone believed in the time. We've heard him say to people things like, though your sins are many, you are forgiven. We've, we've seen Jesus tell a man who was lowered down through the roof on a mat, paralyzed, to rise, take up his mat, and go home. We've seen Jesus look up into a tree and see a little rich man named Zacchaeus. And he told him, you come out of that tree, I'm going to your house today. And then in his house, he says, for the Son of Man comes to seek and to save the lost. And surely Zacchaeus was lost but saved, lost but found. We heard Jesus last week in our message when when going through what might be called a trap, a trap question, when someone asked him, should we give tribute to Caesar? Should we pay our tribute to the Roman authority, this evil power in Rome? And Jesus wisely says to them, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. We've seen him time and time again recapture what it means to know the wisdom of God and to see the power of God move. And this final message is one of those occasions where it happens again. The setting for this mic drop moment is the temple complex. Now, in the timeline, as you might remember from last week, we're in the Holy Week or Passion Week, that series of days between Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday. This text in Luke chapter 20 probably takes place on Tuesday, if biblical scholars are accurate of the timeline. We're getting very, very close to the crucifixion, which will be on Friday. And in the temple... And in the complex of the central religious power of Jerusalem and the Jewish people, Jesus is in there every single day teaching. He's not avoiding the crowds. He's not avoiding the controversy that comes with his arrest and betrayal and ultimately his crucifixion. But he's engaging the temple every single day because he only has a few more more days with his disciples. He only has a few more days to equip them to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. It's getting down to the nitty-gritty. And in the temple complex that day, in the midst of all the people mingling about, getting ready for the Passover, getting ready for the holiday, in the midst of the busyness of the center of Jewish religious life, Jesus calls his disciples and the audience that had gathered with him to, to to take a look at a comparison of two people. Really, a group of people and an individual. He wants them to stop what they're doing, stop 
and pay attention because he wants to show two sides of a coin. He wants to really unpack something about what it means to look good on the outside but be empty on the inside and to possibly look broken and poor on the outside but have something true going on in the inside. He's going to compare a group called the scribes to a woman who is a widow. And this is going to give an amazing comparison about what it means to be real and what it means to be fake. If you found Luke chapter 20, verse 45, say, I found it. Let's hear the word of God this morning. Verse 45, in the hearing of all the people, he, Jesus, said to his disciples, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feast, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense, make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. Chapter 21. Then Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Let's pray. So Lord, I just come to you now and ask for help. Help. Help me, your servant, speak your words. And your spirit freely speak. To us, your people. Pray, God, that you would give us ears to hear. You give us eyes to see. That our hearts would be truly tender and receptive to what your spirit has to say. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Jesus invites his disciples then, and he invites us today, to look at two people very carefully, to watch carefully two groups that he's going to turn their attention to. He first invites his disciples and the hearers at the temple that day to look at the scribes, the scribes who look good yet act terribly. At verse 45, the beginning of this segment And in the hearing of all the people, Jesus said to his disciples, beware of the scribes. Beware of this group of people. Now, you may not be familiar with who the scribes are. To outline briefly who this group is, you kind of have to understand a little bit about three groups. In the religious leadership and in the religious establishment of the Jewish people, you had the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes. Now, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were the ruling political parties. They were the religious factions that often sometimes would be in disagreement with one another. 
but they were also part of the true leadership power base. The scribes are actually intermingled into both groups, but they're a little bit more intense. Often the scribes are younger than the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They're hoping one day to become one of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They're hoping to rise up the ranks. And so in their youthfulness and in their intensity, sometimes they're the, the rougher of the three, a little bit more intense. It may, maybe, maybe to give a, a modern example in law enforcement. You know, you have in the world of law enforcement, you got like mall cops and then you got the SWAT team. The scribes would be the SWAT team. They're intense. They're aggressive. The word scribe, where we come up with it, often refers to writing or taking note. Uh, you who have studied the words, uh, this language Spanish, you know, escribe is where we get the word to write. A scribe comes from the idea that they're taking note and they're watching carefully. They're on the prowl. Sometimes they're the ones that have been sent out by the Pharisees and the Sadducees to catch people doing wrong things and to bring the hammer down. If you were around a scribe, it would be like when you pass a state trooper on the highway. You know, you were going 102, but you see that state trooper and now you're speed limit. 10 and 2 on the wheel. You get my drift? Oh, none of you change your driving patterns when you pass a state trooper? I have successfully graduated from traffic school four times. I can assure you I change my driving habits when I pass state troopers. Uh, hey, I completed it four times. Come on. Congratulations, right? That, that is actually not a joke. That is true. I have passed. I have been assigned traffic school several occasions. And Jesus gives the audience, his hearers, the warning. He says in, in, verse, in verse 46, he says to beware of them because these guys, these scribes, man, they got the look on the outside. They got the... They got the clothes, they got the appearance, they got the gear. He says in verse 46, they walk around in long robes. That means they have the, the garments ready, the long Jewish robes, the long Pharisee and Sadducee-like robes. They got the pointy hats. They got the gear showing who they are. He says they love greetings in the marketplaces. They love to be seen. They go through the marketplace and man, people take note People pay attention. You might even be in the marketplace and a scribe walks by and you kind of get out of their way a bit. He says in the synagogues, they love the best seats. The synagogue is a square room. It's a square building and it's kind of in an auditorium style seating and, and they want to be right up front so that when you're in the synagogue, when you're in a place of worship, you see them up front. You see them in the space of the highest honor. Oh, when they go to a feast, when they go to a banquet, they want to be up front so everybody can see them, so everybody can recognize them. Oh, there's Levi. There's Zechariah. It reminds me of something I saw a few years ago. Uh, on our campus, we were asked if we would host a town hall meeting for one of our state senators, or excuse me, U.S. senators, to speak to a gathering. I'm not going to mention who the U.S. Senator was because some of you will then like the rest of the sermon and others of you will despise the rest of the sermon. 
But he was making his rounds. We only have two U.S. senators from Kentucky, so you just pick whoever you would like this illustration to fit. He was making his rounds, and he was going to have a town hall. And before the town hall, Campbellsville was asked to host a, a banquet, like a luncheon for people to gather. And I wasn't actually invited to the banquet. I'm not in that circle. But as an employee, I was asked to do some of the logistical things to get the space ready and make sure all of the traffic flow was going. And as I watched this banquet unfold for one of our U.S. senators, man, I saw everybody come out of the woodwork. All the magistrates of Taylor County were there. All the people running for sheriff. I mean, even the people running for coroner, which apparently is a hot ticket item. You had the Kentucky congressional district representative. You had the Kentucky senator representative. You had the judges. You had the five people running for Campbellsville mayor. And everywhere the senator went, guess what? Every one of these politicians followed fairly close because they wanted to be in the photo. They wanted to be in the spotlight. They wanted to have the handshake moment. They wanted to be up front. They wanted to have all the folks in this luncheon seeing them in connection to this senator. Because this senator, if they win, and according to their influence, if they're aligned with them, oh, that's good signs for their election hopes. And and I'm, I'm not making a political statement. That's just the way of the world, isn't it? That's just how things go down in politics. But what if that was the case in spiritual life? What, was, what if that was the case in the things when it comes to our devotion to God? When things look on the outside like it's all working and all pretty and all glamorous. But it's all just for show. I mean, Jesus says, beware of these guys. They love their greetings in the marketplace. They love the best seats in the synagogues. They love the places in honor at the feast. But when he actually gets to the real meat of it, he says they devour widows' homes. And as a pretense, they make long prayers so everybody can hear their fancy words. He says they will receive the greater condemnation because Jesus knows on the outside they look good, but there is something terribly wrong on the inside. I mean, he has time and time again warnings about this group. In Luke chapter 11, verse 43 and 44, he says this, Earlier in his ministry, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. That sounds familiar. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves. People walk over them without even knowing it. He calls them a grave. He says in Matthew 23, verse 27, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. Over and again, he's referring to them as having something on the external that looks right and good and devoted to God, but on the inside, it's death and 
and disease and uncleanliness. He, he says in Mark 7, verse 6, these people, in referring to them, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And the warning that Jesus gives to his disciples is the warning that we all need to hear. There is the potential in any of us, any of us, to manufacture something externally so that everybody can see, oh, we say the right things and we go to the right places and we opposedly interact with the right people. But on the inside, there's nothing real. There's nothing true. Spiritually, we all can be hypocrites. We can be fakes. We can be completely trying to fool those around us. The definition of hypocrisy, which we all are tempted for, is making an act. It's playing a part. It's trying to impress all the people around us with some false devotion to God. But on the inside, there is no passion for Christ. There is no faith in God. There is no willingness to know the ways of God or willingness to grow in your walk with God. It's just death in there. But on the outside, it looks pretty. It looks all put together. And the warning that all of us need to hear is that God knows the heart Even if all the externals look right. At the end of the day, God knows the heart. He says long ago in the Old Testament, man sees the outward appearance. But God sees the heart. Friends, the warning for every one of us is. Don't look good on the outside and have nothing going on on the inside. If anything, be honest. Be true. Because God is seeing what's on the inside. That's far, far more important than what any of the rest of us are seeing on the outside. Jesus invites them to be aware of that kind of hypocrisy. But he also invites them to look at someone else that day. I want to end the message or turn the message to the more hopeful side, the more positive person to pay attention to. He invited his audience to take a look at the scribes who look good on the outside but act terribly, having death on the inside. And then in the same breath and in the same moment at the same temple, he invites them to turn their attention to what he sees as a poor widow. A widow who looks poor on the outside, yet gives generously as an expression of true faith from the inside. It's the complete opposite. It's the other side of the spectrum. You had one fake, now you have the real. You have the look good, but all kinds of death on the inside. Now you have a looks maybe rough on the outside, but oh, there's something genuine on the inside. Verse 1 of chapter 21, Jesus then looked up and he saw the rich. Now he's referring again to the scribes, the ones that he was just painting a picture of moments ago, putting in their gifts in the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. Mark's gospel tells us what the value of that is and that she gave two coins which make about a penny. Now, to unpack this a bit, you have to think the temple is this massive complex with people mingling and moving about. 
It's a busy place. There's sacrifice, there's worship, there's priests, there's politicians, there's the Romans, there's the common folk. It's also a holiday set up for Passover. A lot's going on, a lot's happening. But in, in the temple, there would be these treasury boxes or these chests where offering was collected. I have a picture here that's, again, a bit of a Hollywood make of this but you can at least get the sense you can imagine there being the widow and there being the rich beside the chest but these chests would actually have a a trumpet like tube a metal tube that would come out from this box the box would be on the ground but there would be this tube coming forth and it was made of a metal so that as coins went in you would hear a sound you would hear the gift. Now I've brought like a little mason jar just to try to replicate, but you would hear what was going into the chest. Now Jesus turns the disciples' attention to this woman and the rich. And he says of the rich, they are just giving of their abundance. And so part of the Lesson of what he had said moments ago is that they love the places of honor. They love being seen. They love being all on the show. And so they would just stand there with their gifts, with their coins and, ah, hey, how are you? I'm giving here. Can't you tell? (laughs) Oh, you heard that. Oh, you want to hear some big coins? Woo. I got some big ones to drop. And they're making a show of their giving. And then she comes in with two copper coins. In comparison to the wealthy, the massive amounts of money being given, I emptied out every change drawer I could find for this illustration. You could make the case that Jesus must be confused on the value of two copper coins. Because he says in verse 3, this widow has given more than all of them. All of the rich, all of the scribes, all the ones who are out there for show, she in her two coins has given more than all of them. All of them combined is the sense. You may say, well, man, Jesus, the son of God, must not be a very good accountant. Must be saying, oh, we better not put Jesus on our church counting team because he can't keep the books. He's making a statement, the mic drop moment, that her two coins, her penny gift, is more valuable than all that the rich has given. Because in the concept and in the mind of God, the amount she gives is not what matters most. What she actually put in the box isn't what's really on display. What's on display is that she, in her devotion to God, in her true obedience, and her reliance on him and him alone, she is the display of true faith. She is the display of true Christian devotion to God. She's the one. She doesn't look the part. She doesn't have the clothes. She's not the one people are praising in the marketplace. She is a no-named widow who's probably vulnerable and destitute and broke. But in the comparison, she is the one that Jesus presents as the exemplar model of devotion. Because it looks all rough on the outside. But on the inside, it's true. On the inside, it's real. 
On the inside, her reliance on God as her provider, her reliance on God as the one who will take care of her needs, her reliance of God in that if she is faithful with the small things, he will be so gracious to provide the greater things. She's walking in absolute obedience, even though the scripture says the last two coins she gives is all she has to live on. Friends, she is the model of when it's real, it's real. And they're the model of when it's fake, it's fake. What the outside looks like does not matter at all. It's the heart that matters to God. Friends, I wonder, I wonder if at times we might be in temptation to put on all the trappings of the external. But on the inside, our hearts have more in line with the grave. And maybe, just maybe, there's some of you who know what it's truly like. It doesn't look right on the outside. Man, I don't have the look. I don't have the, the garments. I don't have the praise of people. I'm, but at the core, it's so real. It's so true. It's so pure. It's devotion to God and God alone. That's what he sees. That's what he sees. He sees not the external. He sees the internal. He sees not what man sees. He sees the heart. And friends, I invite you today, which is more descriptive of you? To ask yourself the question, which is more descriptive of you? Is that of the scribe who looks good, but it's all death on the inside? Or the widow who looks rough on the outside, but it's all true in the heart? I'm going to invite the praise team to join me. I invite you just to bow your heads for a moment. times there are messages that are so convicting to me personally this would be one of those days because the temptation for every follower of Jesus and I am confident that most every person in this room is a follower of Jesus but the temptation that we all face is to manufacture some religious external presence completely devoid of looking inward at our heart. And I just invite you today to look at your heart. Look inward. Is it true? Is it real? Is your love of Christ and your devotion to Him and your desire to know Him and to know the ways of God, is it true? If it is, that's what He sees and that's what He knows and that's what is ultimately what carry you all the way into his presence one day in eternity but if you've been tempted just to put on the show put on the the garments just to be seen just to be thought of in a certain way I invite you today just to turn that aside repent, confess call upon the name of Jesus who knows your heart already knows whether it's true or false I'm going to say a prayer and we're going to sing a song and if there is something that you need to lay before the Lord something that you just need to lay at this altar I'm going to invite you to come you can certainly pray at your seat you can certainly 
speak to the Lord anywhere in this house of worship. If you want someone to pray with you, I would be honored. Be happy to encourage you in prayer. But let's just ask ourselves the question today. Is it true or is it false? Is it all on the external or is it really faith on the inside? Dear God, I come to you now and I just pray that your spirit would move, your spirit would work. I pray that you would take this message and multiply it in a way that only you can. Allow us to be true to who we really are before you are God who sees our hearts. Pray for this time of response now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.